Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of A Day With. I'm very excited today to be sitting next to Dr. Marco Faria Correa, one of Singapore's most well-known and acclaimed plastic surgeons. Dr. Marco has over 35 years of experience, where the first 15 years he was back in Brazil, where he's originally from. And then he came to Singapore after receiving an invitation by the Singapore Association of Plastic Surgery to present his techniques and help attract more international uh, patients uh, and help you know have Singapore as a plastic and cosmetic surgery hub. So Dr. Marco, thank you so much for welcoming here in your office. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much for this opportunity. I love your program. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. I mean, it's amazing. As I come here, you know, uh, and see your office, your space, it's, you know, just, just wonderful to meet you. We both share some Latino roots. Yes. <laughs> You're from Brazil. I'm from Colombia. Yes. So. You love Latin dancing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think already one thing in common. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's a great place to start. Uh, I loved just hearing and, and looking at your story. So wanted to share that with everyone listen to the, listening to the podcast. So maybe we'll start there. Uh, back in Brazil, your early years when you started uh, studying medicine, I mean, Brazil is known to be one of the leading places in the world, if not the leading country for plastic surgery. So share with us a little bit of how was it back then? Yes, like football. Plastic surgery is part of our culture. <laughs> People love to go to the beach, love to look good. And since uh, 60s, Brazil has been like a medical tourist destination from the Hollywood. And so we, in Rio, was the leader in plastic surgery in the world was Dr. Peter Gee from Brazil that created this big school of plastic surgery there. And yes, plastic surgery in Brazil is something very popular and, okay. and very well known around the world. And, uh, and many doctors from the Latin countries, they come to study in Brazil plastic surgery because there's a strong school of plastic surgery there. Is it driven by, let's say, the, the consumers? Because, I mean, in Colombia, plastic surgery is very known, you know, when people turn, like girls, they turn 15 years old, you know, it's already they want to do this and that. It's like they're a 15-year-old gift, you know. But so doctors, once they finish medicine, they go to Brazil a lot to do plastic surgery. So is it driven by the consumers there that everyone wants to do something? Yes, uh, uh, it's like part of the culture since long. I think uh, the, the last uh, 70 years has been something very on in Brazil. Uh, and then uh, became like part of the culture and the Latin culture like these people like uh, about beauty like uh, show the body dancing that all that sensuality yeah. of the way of showing yourself this is part of the culture and so how is the process coming to Singapore in terms of you know those cultural differences that you're mentioning I started my career in, in Brazil and became uh, interested at the beginning in microsurgery. That was, I always liked the top-end techniques, you know, and technologies. I always attracted by that. That time, what uh, was coming up was microsurgery to do reimplantations. Well, someone chopped the hand when you reimplanted the, these things then. was the way I start doing plastic surgery, reconstructive plastic surgery, microsurgery. And then I became a professor in the university straight away because I wanted the 
the first ones in, in my county doing this uh, uh, microsurgery. And was always working in university. And many Colombians and other came to study with us in, in, in plastic surgery in, in our university. Then uh, I had some idea of improving one technique that we call mini abdominoplasty. Okay, what is that? Uh, when the person uh, have babies, uh, have baby and have some open muscles that we call rectus diastasis, some gap in, in the muscle because the abdomen stretches out, and then have a little bit of a bulging stomach and also carry some physical issues like back pain and so. And then to correct that thing, we have to stitch the muscle inside. Before endoscopy, I uh, was cutting a big piece of skin to go inside. And I'm the pioneer, I, I developed a research project in Brazil to adapt endoscopic methods to plastic surgery, and I became the, I believe in my dreams always, <laughs> a, and I make my dreams come true normally. Then I work hard in, in doing that, and I develop a, a way of doing endoscopy in plastic surgery. And it's opened myself to the world, and I, the, the way I came to Singapore to do surgical demonstrations about this technique. And I run around the world uh, presenting these techniques, and then uh, I got invited to come to Singapore. To like, share those techniques. So maybe breaking it down for anyone that's not in, in medicine, uh. right? And so very simple, your technique was to do this operation, but... Yeah, avoiding big cuts in those patients that don't have stretch mark, redundant skin, the problem is just the bulging of the stomach because of the muscle. Then I do through very small incision using video surgery, endoscopy, and I stitch all the muscle and make, like you say, an inner corset, a flat stomach, okay. without leaving that long scars when the goal is not removing flabby skin and, and so. Right. Then this was a technique that a pioneer there, and yeah, and and like we are talking before, <laughs> that's a, a dream maker. And then lately, uh, uh, some. Years ago, here in Singapore, I also seen this robotics and the new advantages of robotics that the, the gold standard of endoscopy video surgery. Yeah. I introduced robotics to do the same, and I'm doing here in Singapore and presenting conference around the world about robotics to do this uh, rectification, correcting this gap in the muscle. That's a kind of abdominoplasty, a kind of minimally invasive tummy tuck. I love it. So you, in two sense, in those two lines, you were already, you know, a few steps ahead. Where back then you said, "I want to do the surgery with very few incisions, not leaving a big scar," and now yeah. you're doing it with, you know, Roba yeah. type of technology. So is yeah, it I'm being very attentive to all the evolutions of the uh, of medicine in other fields. When I can uh, bring this to my field, plastic surgery, I. I did, I did it. Nice, great. Um, so share us now that you're in Singapore, how is a day with you? I mean, this is the title of the podcast uh, for anyone maybe studying medicine and it's considering going into plastic surgery. How is a day as a plastic surgeon? To me, uh, I'm very lucky that uh, I decide to go for this area because medicine is 
something that we you, you know sometimes is heavy to treat people that are dying people with diseases is emotionally can be a bit heavy for the doctor every day dealing with people suffering and fighting against wow. that the stress or in surgery uh, yes. like yeah you're between life and you, death too no? in plastic surgery also there's a lot of stress because nothing can go wrong yeah true but the patient normally is happy is uh, people that are trying to improve themselves to look better to feel more confident and they are very positive very high then is a is a very enjoyable area in yeah. medicine working with this area uh, of course we have to have all the specialties but being first a reconstructive surgeon doing all of this reconstructing people after cancer and so. The day of a plastic surgeon is like the day of a, a obstetrician. It's happiness, happiness, you know, <laughs> bringing babies, bringing life, bringing beauty to the world yeah. is different than fighting, fighting against the, the disease and sometimes losing the battle. Yeah, that's such a good point to, to mention. And um, in terms of procedures, I mean, I know you you have such a you know, on your website, you know, such a wide range of procedures. But what are your top procedures that you do on a daily basis? I reduce a lot. I, I became more and more and more focused in a group of procedures that I master and that what make my life, uh, uh, I'd say, not so stressful because I just do nowadays those procedures that I like more to do and I master, then it's much more that you successful. Enjoy, yeah. And I enjoy because it's successful, normally more successful, because you are doing things that you have done thousand times and just tailoring a bit case by case. Huh? What's but like your one of your favorite procedures? Uh, I like procedures that leave minimal scars. Then this endoscopy and, and robotic surgery to correct the muscle is one of things that I love very much. The other uh, breast implant to the armpit using endoscopy, you make the breast beautiful without any scar in the breast. Other procedures like a body lip sculpture and, and the so famous Brazilian butt lift, you shift the fat from the unwanted areas, some area that extra fat and some areas no fat and you shift the fat here and there and make a it's a real sculpture, it's so beautiful. <laughs> then things that I, uh, that I like. And, but I'm very well known, internationally well known, and people fly from many countries for this mummy makeover that includes breast lifting and abdominoplasty, being this minimally invasive of, or even a full abdominoplasty. And I love the name, I mummy makeover. Yeah. <laughs> That's a cool name. One question there, let's say someone has a baby, right? Their first baby. Uh -huh. um, they do the surgery, mommy makeover, and then can they have another baby and then do it again? Like, how does that work? Yes, yes, yes. Some, uh, because some patients, uh, like they have, a, for example, this rectal a big gap in the muscle, yeah. and it affects your, your, the stability of the spine, and it causes medical issues, not just for beauty. Then sometimes they come, they do repair the, the muscle, repair the reaction. After that, they can have another baby without any okay. problem. Uh, but mummy makeover is normally is for those that already complete the, uh, uh, the, this phase of delivering babies, two, three children. They already okay, uh, late 30s, early 40s. Then they, they, they say, okay, 
now it's time to yeah. reconstruct my my body to Feel recover like everything yeah like, yeah no of <laughs> course not but some even look better than before you know because uh, uh doing some sculpture removing that uh, wanted fat from areas that was disturbing the figure before some look very nice interesting in brazil we have a contest that called a uh, grandma contest, grandma beauty contest. <laughs> you see those 50 plus that already grandma and underwent for a few plus sir, they look so amazing. <laughs> it's like amazing. which grandma looks the best? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, All right. And then which procedure do you think that it could be like the most dangerous? Even if you do it very well, I'm sure, but that has the most risk. It depends more if the patient is a very eligible one. It's not so dangerous, but of course the doctor cannot uh, exaggerate and be like a 12 hours. This mummy makeover, uh, if we always you tailor case by case, we can do the uh, two, three procedures at the same time or one by one. We cannot, some patients they want to be doing everything in one day, then become dangerous because it's too much uh, heavy for the body. Then. Then we, we we mature and know about things. You make it yeah. not not dangerous, that bring a patient to lose too much blood and doing breast, abdomen, and, and everything at the same time. Procedures that go much longer than eight hours, nine hours procedures start to be a bit dangerous. Combining procedures also considered dangerous. Go to do hysterectomy together with, uh, you know, to have only one downtime. No. Sometimes it's better to have two, three downtimes, but do it proper in a safe way. I love that, and I like really, you know, the responsibility of it because, yeah, there's so many people that want everything done in one time, and then maybe they go out of the surgery alive but go and recover from that you know it might be problems after that i guess so it, it, it's really good to to have that balance yeah yeah the doctor have to put as the first things safety when someone come mainly for cosmetic surgery i always say to my patient the two priorities is safety and quality you have to choose a doctor that are really focusing that what you want you have to sit in the doctor's waiting room and see how happy are the patient if the, if the doctor is really specialized in that area then you choose the right doctor for what you want to do yeah. do inside the right facility because safety is the environment is is not doing clinic work. things happen for example this liposuction accident and thing that you hear happen in many counties many places most of the time is not done inside the right facilities, done, uh, done in a small clinic, in a shopping center, and da, da, da. inside the hospital is difficult to die. Old people with cancer want to die and dogs will resuscitate again and again. And say, Please let me die. And the doctor resuscitate <laughs> again and again. And uh, you don't die in a hospital. Don't die. <laughs> Please let me die. No, 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 you not die here. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, like but if you are in a, in a small clinic uh, uh, and something happened, you don't have the team around to help in save the life and uh, yeah then safety is this is doing a, a, with a right doctor in the right uh, uh, environment and something you mentioned it's the right doctor and the doctor also that has the right team so i have done plastic surgery my, myself and i remember and my mom my, my brother they're all doctors and mm -hmm. they said it's not only choosing that plastic surgeon is 
who's your going to be your anesthesiologist that's going to you know yeah. obviously keep you alive who's going to be you know the team around yeah. the doctor yeah. it's so yeah. important yeah. yeah so i'm sure you work with really great yeah yeah we have the a, a very a, a constant team the work with two three anesthesiologists they're always the same Only. they know when I, yeah. I i focus in one hospital where even the nurse they know how the post-op care how to conduce everything after the surgery all of this together yeah. and uh, a team that work together uh, uh, constantly then things happen a bit faster and, and you, you know better, it, it, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. There's so many trends, especially with social media now models and, you know, everyone says uh, before it didn't exist that like Instagram accounts of doctors putting like before and after all of this. And there's a lot of trends. Mm. What is a procedure you're seeing currently that you might not advise for people to do that? Maybe it's a trend. You know, I've seen the fox eyes with the with the eyebrows, like they lift the eyebrows like that. Okay. Is there any procedure that you say, oh, I will think twice to recommend someone to do that? Uh, what I recommend is you do what you feel you, you, you dream already quite long and not just go with the trend, okay? Because, for example, some people come here, ask for huge breast implants. Yeah. I do not recommend uh, that that big because mainly for very young people because you damage, you overstretch the skin, uh, is something then exaggerating things is what I do not recommend. Yeah. Exaggerating about fillers in the face. When when you see that they they talk about this uh, a beautiful uh, uh, woman that became a monster and they say a bad plastic surgery. Normally it's not a bad plastic surgery. It's fillers and fillers. All these injections. Injections some that uh, uh, I do not recommend, at least over-inject. Small injection with this new kind of fillers is still acceptable in certain cases, mm -hmm. but some people they overdo it. And, and we are seeing something funny nowadays. People are distorted with the lips too yeah. big. Something Beauty must be natural. Mm -hmm. You said that you did something, but I can People say, uh, see, you cannot say because yeah. very beautiful, very natural. <laughs> this the, is the right uh, plastic surgery. When you see someone, and you cannot tell that did the plastic surgery. Just look natural. It's good for the eyes because that's what is beauty. Beauty is, is what is good for the eyes, what you know. Is yeah, and I appreciate that you're saying that, you know, not overdue. And that's something I want to touch base on about plastic surgery. That myth of if you do one surgery, it becomes an addiction. Then you want to do this and that. And because people say it might be easy, you know, it's like right away that I got that change. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I see patients that... Like say, when you are very well succeed in your surgery and it really boosts your self-confidence, you feel great, then you, you do your, your abdomen, uh, stomach look good. Then you go and do a breast implant and wow. <laughs> then you do a bit of liposuction, look good. Then they say, doctor, what else I can do? I say, no, you are done. You have nothing else to do. You, to me, you already look perfect. 
But I like that feeling, you know, to every day I look even younger and more beautiful and not aging, but that's what we call the addiction, yeah. that feeling. But there is a limit, and the doctor, again, plastic surgeon or any doctor have to be a professional, a very decent professional and proper advice patient. Is right for you, is wrong for you, is dangerous doing this, is dangerous doing that, you should do it this way, you should not do that mm -hmm. way. And doctors are normally very serious, very decent, and, and because when you want to be a doctor, it's because you care about people. No, no one wants to be a doctor because of good business. Because being a doctor is not doing business. It's a service that we do for people. We are paid for that. And if you are a good doctor, make money. If you are not a, a famous doctor, sometimes a very hard life. Those doctors, there's so many doctors that have a very, very hard life on calls and this and this. It's not easy to be a doctor. And it takes almost like 10 years to actually start practicing. You know, you have to study so exactly. much. It's a passion, vocation. Exactly. When I was young, uh, uh, you know, the, the, those the teens together with me, I start medical school and go there already professional, making money. I still studying, 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 yeah. studying. Ten years, uh, six years the medical school, another at least five, six years to do the speciality. It's 11, 12 years. Then some start doing a, a small business and they, they become already rich and so, and you still studying, studying, studying. But it's a passion, you know. Being a doctor, you need to have this kind of passion vocation. for the vocation yeah. yes so here it's a point where i always like to touch base on and it's the expectation versus the reality you were dreaming big and you just work a lot and very hard to get those dreams come true but has there anything in you know right now in your current life be different than what you expected before you got into this um, industry difficult to say you know because i I always follow my dreams and always it really make it, it happen. Maybe you have a, a big clinic with a lot of doctors working uh, together. Uh, that, uh, that in Singapore, the number of plus surgeons not that, uh, that huge and we, we are quite individuals. Uh, I, I, I like that uh, big group working together It's a dream that maybe I still will do this in, in the future when I slow down and maybe back to Brazil and so just have a big team and I just coordinate a team and be active this. Even if I like to do surgery myself, but I also like to, to teach more and to be, yeah, that, that's maybe the, the, the part that I still miss in, in, in my career. And yeah. I, I'm getting that, you know, back in Brazil, you know, you're teaching this residency yep. students and all of this. And now you're more into like a solo type of career. Yeah, right? I always have one or colleague that comes to learn uh, from me, to help me to participate in my search. That's nice. But uh, this big group discussing things and, uh, uh, you know, improving together exchanging more uh, at the daily, daily base, I mean, because yeah. we do this in Congress always, uh, do, but and the daily base, working together, doing things together, is something beautiful that I, I miss. Uh, I get it 100%. My brother, it's like I said, an anesthesiologist, actually, and you see how he is with his friends, colleagues at the mm -hmm. hospital. It's like a family because they see yeah. each other every day. Yeah. 
And I think it's only something doctors could relate because mm. it's someone you studied maybe 10 years ago for 10 years together, mm. you know, you develop really close relationships. Correct. Yeah, we, are, we, we stayed like longer together with, uh, than with the own families, hours and hours together. That is like a family. Thing. Yeah. What has been one of, in your life, a big challenge? T tell me about it. Microsurgery was the most, most uh, challenging thing that, and I started when I was very young, and this was really important to mold my, my personality, my attitude in surgery, because microsurgery is so really difficult. You almost cannot see the thread so small, the needle so small. With the microscope, you have to keep looking through the microscope to stitch the uh, nerves and microveins to make the blood flow to the microvent, to reattach fingers. I remember times that I have to attach like four fingers, like a 12 hours uh, operation one by one. And, and in those days without a team, just myself in a, oh, in a wow. early stage, very hard. There was a time that uh, doing this microsurgery, I was reattaching an arm of a, a, a man that have an accident, and it was uh, uh, already uh, almost 2 a.m. And I was a very young uh, plastic surgeon, and with with no team, just the one. Hold on, the, the whole arm was the whole arm. detached. Yes, the, the half, half arm. Normally, we put the patient under general anesthesia. I have to keep in that level that people sleeping, sleep, sleep. But sometimes the, the, the drugs get a bit less, and the patient start moving a bit. Huh? And that was the case very tired, the anesthesiologist already very tired, almost sleeping, like there's a, cannot be very uh, attentive to think, and hours of operation, of, to reattach, it was like five hours. When I was finishing, the patient started moving and opened my stitches, and so, oh, <gasps> and like I the microsurgery The microsurgery, oh. after six hours doing everything, the patient started uh, to move and wake and, up, and, wake up and Oh, stretch and open everything. And I was with a, a young girl, a student of medicine that was helping me, during, was on call in the hospital uh, and was helping me to do that. And then she became so angry and, uh, and look at me and I just stand up. I walk uh, to the radio there. I, uh, took you always a, have uh, music, yeah? Yeah, we, we always music. Yeah. And then I just, I was Milton Nascimento, a Brazilian sing, singing a uh, song. So, Amigo é coisa para se guardar. It means a friend is something to keep in your heart. I went there and I just increased and make louder the sound and came back, sit down again to start. And she looked at me and said, Dr. Marco, how can you control yourself? How can you do not box this man? The anesthesiologist and I said, I will do after now i have to sit down here and do everything again i want to cry ask for my mom but <laughs> my mom doesn't know how to do microsurgery <laughs> then i have to sit down again i will kill him but after <laughs> after after doing everything oh again wait so so you obviously you woke up the anesthesiologist yeah he, he has but, but because it's something that that uh, uh, just happened suddenly it happened during the sometime the operation the patient yeah, moved a bit yeah yeah, yeah because they just get a little bit more superficial not a it's a quite normal happening but in that situation that 
tie the hand to be in, in a firm position to stitch everything, and the patient move it, that very small stitching thing. Oh, my and, God. Oh, my God. And this start again. Start again. Talk about the termination. Uh, can we imagine it at 2 a.m.? Everybody's super no. tired. You have to just be calm and breathe, sit down again, and do everything and like, again. Obviously, you're f not only the mental tiredness, but you're physically tired. Because yeah. I imagine if you're doing my, you know, your your hands, you know, after a while, they might be just shaking. You know. Yeah, but uh, that's why we developed the technique how to stabilize our hand with the way we we hold the, the forceps, and so there's a. Uh, technique. uh, technically, we we handle the the tremor and so, but wow. yeah, but this uh, was something that uh, uh, the, oh uh, I remember the, the girl said to me, "How can you not box this man?" I said, "I will later." <laughs> I bet you never worked with him again. Or, or, I don't no, know. no, my good friend, always ah. a, a fantastic anesthesiologist, always doing big case with me. Yeah. The, it happened. It's, it happened. Sometimes the patient. Uh, you think that everything is, and nowadays better because nowadays you monitor even the brain to see how deep. But those days, like uh, uh, 30 35 years ago, years ago, the level of anesthesia and the drugs are not so consistent. The, the, the way of monitoring is not so consistent, also, yeah. happen more frequent. Nowadays, everything wow. is more stable. Yes, not, the technology <laughs> helps us. That's yeah. when you say, like, no one, mostly no one dies, but like back then, uh, the, oh yeah, my gosh, yeah, yeah. well. Uh, what a good story. <laughs> <laughs> and imagine, yeah. You were saying how you started about going in, in plastic surgery with reconstructive plastic surgery. And that's how surgery started, yep. right? Back in the days in the First World War, it was invented to help soldiers, you know, reconstruct their faces because of, you know, all the damage they, they had during the war. It is now something very different, right? And I wanted just to talk to you about those thin lines, you know, between what it has become now, plastic surgery, as we were talking about at the beginning, you know, people want to do just makeovers and it could become an addiction versus also the medical part of it that you're actually, you know, it, it is really helpful for, for someone that has gone through an accident or something happened to their faces and it can be something beautiful to change their lives. What are your thoughts on how this has developed, you know, from from the beginning of being very reconstructive principles to now such a business model, and you know? Okay, let's say, before was the, for the, uh, this reconstructive things and after that to treat uh, uh, really over redundant skin for those big stomach that was also a, a problem to carry that uh, large breast or large stomach that caused problem for the daily life and then uh, uh, was still uh, like a the thin line between cosmetic and, uh, and reconstructive surgery was helping physically people to do things. Uh, when it started to be safer, safer from the 1950s, 1960s to now, uh, with antibiotic therapy, a very safe way of doing anesthesiologists, then people start to be more there to do smaller deformities. Yeah. Not that big hanging tummy, but it's a bit smaller situation. Small, little fats <laughs> that you can't get out of in the yeah. gym. Till <laughs> now doing it with a keyhole robotics to... Uh, it's vanity, but this is very important. People say, I need to look good to feel good. 
Some, for some people, this is a very strong point. If they, and, and some people are sorry, they are really ugly, and they <laughs> <laughs> have no chin, a big nose, and then when you accommodate, make a smaller nose, now, people look much better. And I have stories, and story. I have one boy that worked in a bank, and, and when the time that I start to, to be famous, like say, after doing some, a boy hand implantation. I came in the media da, 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 in Brazil, and I start. And this uh, uh, young uh, guy always follow me in the newspapers. There was no media, but newspaper yeah. come newspaper news about things that I I did and da, da, da. And then he came to want to do his nose, and I did his nose and have uh, short of money, but inside the university I did uh, those cases free of charge. Da, da. And he came back to me later telling me. Uh, how I changed his life because he never feel confident to argue with anyone or to go for uh, uh, Date, any like yeah a and then after feeling uh, good about himself the new image it changed his life he became a very successful man that he was a, a, a guy that doesn't like to show his face because he didn't feel good and didn't feel confident. And when it changed his life, his appearance, and he started to feel confident. I remember right now also a, a, a young boy that have that permanent ear was a, 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 a handsome young boy, but with that big permanent ear. Then he came and, and I treated Then he was eight years old. The mother and the father thought changed completely for a very shy uh, uh, boy to uh, Happy, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little yeah. uh, 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 no handsome boy yeah. that uh, dating the girls and like this, <laughs> very very eight years old. Yeah, yeah, like this. You know, yeah. he feels so good about that. It's something that uh, is difficult to understand what goes inside each one. Mm-hmm. Some people really just feel super confident. And you're so right. If if you really have you know, something in yourself that you can't accept um, up to a point where you really feel really bad and there's a solution, why not? And I think there's really two big groups, like people that are in favor of plastic surgery, people that don't like it, and this is like not to change anyone's mind. I think people have made their mind and, and that's it. But there is a question here about what's the thin line between, okay, if you don't like something for over years and there's a solution for it, to love yourself and accept yourself how you are and now in this new age mental health has been you know so important and you know self-love and all of these conversations about you know who we are mm. yeah sometimes we uh, uh, by the, the the experience that we have you can detect people that uh, the point is not really the physical issue but the psychological part and we recommend some psychological treatment, uh, consult someone. We can see people that uh, they, are, they are not uh, uh, happy with life and they will never be happy. Okay. Like someone that has on their nose 10 times and comes to you, I need to Correct. do it again. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some, some they, they just, uh, they, they have money and they see the other did nose, they want to do the nose and after that they don't like the nose and they keep the, not like, they are, they are not happy. There was one day one lady uh, that sit with the husband here and, and, and I can tell that she have some issue, you know, and then she asked, can you make me happy? I said, uh, 
difficult to make someone happy. We can make people happier because you have to have this happiness inside of you. Then I can help you to be happier with yourself. But if a person cannot be happy with herself, it's not plastic surgery that you solve the issue. Then there is something else behind. Then what uh, the, the see these people sometimes they they have that we call body dysmorphia in, in, in plastic surgery. It's those that look good, but they cannot see the beauty, and they keep asking for changing things that look normal and good. That's what we call the body dysmorphia. It's a, it's a disease, it's a syndrome that we, we have to detect. You have a perfect nose, and you come here to change your nose, a, a beautiful face, and want to change. There's something wrong. You have a beautiful body, and you want to change your body. But if you have a really a, a, some hanging breast or some uh, distorted fat thing and you come to do, yes, then we know that you are coming for something real. Mm -hmm. Then you are a, a good candidate for that. But a person that everything looks good and is still not happy have, uh, and, and always going, already did surgery and not so successful, you want to do more and again and again and, and they cannot see the, the benefit that it is a psychological part that we have to I to like handle. that, that then you recommend, you know, before you go into surgery, I want you to see this psychologist or, you know. Yes, or even, or even uh, uh, make clear that, uh, yeah, you have a perfect nose. I don't see any sense to, to change uh, this, ta -ta -ta. you should uh, uh, really uh, think twice about ta -ta -ta. sometime we we have to a case that we, we among us plastic surgeon when you talk we say when you see the yellow light you stop <laughs> don't go ahead <laughs> what is the yellow light yeah yellow light you show that the, yeah. the, 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 the danger zone yeah danger zone the flashing yellow light you stop don't cross the, the that, line. <laughs> that okay. line because we and we have to have this feeling of detecting it in the in uh, to do not bring people to a surgery that will not benefit them. Our goal, even in cosmetic surgery, is giving some benefit. That's what I say every day to my patient. The good money is the money that you make a really good work on you and make you happy. Then we cannot put money up front. That's why when you said uh, the business, I never call medical service as a business. We cannot take a medical service as a business. It's a medical service. You are paid for that, but you have to really be doing a service, proper service for that person, and not seeing like a, a way of making your bank account uh, better. No. Oh my gosh, doctor, you're so on point. And I, this goes back to what you said at the beginning of look for quality because how many doctors are out there? They're like two for one, you know, like type of offers, like get implants and, you know, just pay yeah, one. Yeah, not, like not, not in Singapore, not in Singapore. Yeah. Singapore Medical Council is very vigilant with this and and, uh, and we are not allowed to do before and after, to be fishing, fishing with yeah. this and to do this kind of promotion. But globally, like especially in South America, you know. In, in Brazil also not, but in Australia they show a lot of before and after. In America they show before and after and very fishing. Koreans are also quite fishing. Yeah. But uh, Singapore, no, we are under really a, a very strict medical council that protects very much the population. 
uh, it's nice. This uh, uh, medicine in Singapore is really ethical. That's that's good to know. And um, I mean, we're in your office. This is the first time ever I see implants of uh, booby implants. <laughs> so this is just like a personal. Do you want one? <laughs> I'm okay with my breast. <laughs> Can I touch it? Please. Oh wow! Is it like differences of like gels? Yeah. Yeah. So do you come here every day, and it and you offer like different benefits to depending on. Yeah, this is a, for the patient know the different uh, brands and different types of implant. But oh my God, it feels yeah. so cool. So what what do you think it's like the most common like uh, thought after process? Yeah, now now there is only the the smooth implant is the recommendable one, oh. uh, and, and the one available in Singapore is about smooth implant. There is a, a certain issues about the textual implant that can uh, develop some. Uh, uh, lymphoma is very rare, but it's an issue, and then it's not so commonly available now. Uh, I've heard about America. a brand that now it's recalling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's why, because it was this kind of, of texture implant that was recalling. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, very cool. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, to it's something that uh, is one of the most popular surgeries uh, nowadays is breast implant and liposuction. That's what we do more. Here, yeah, number yeah. one. Number uh, one, number one, in, 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 not here, in the world. In the world. Uh, in Asia, also, Doboy uh, leads, and, and, and uh, Doboy lead, the Chinese do the Doboy leads, okay. they call the, yeah. For the eyes. The, yeah, yes. For the eyes to create that, that fold. And, That's very uh, and, uh, common here. Very common here, yeah. yeah. So you think in Asia people go to either Korea or Singapore to make these procedures mostly, or more Singapore now? Uh, now with COVID, they are inside the country. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Korea became uh, uh, popular for facial surgery, no? to some kinds of, of quite dramatic transformation <laughs> in the face. Mainly the Chinese, they go a lot there. Mm -hmm. Some Singaporeans also going going there. Yeah. To do that kind of operation that the uh, Korean do it to chop the jaw to make a bit more V-shaped became oh, wow. a bit uh, uh, popular. Uh, yeah. All right, just to end with some quick questions. It's, it's supposed to be fun. So, uh, first thing that comes into your mind: What makes you so passionate about what you do? It's something that that's addictive to me you know <laughs> that I, I really addicted to that because uh, the patients are so happy so thankful uh, become uh, I have so many friends that are my ex-patients because they are so happy with the result it is uh, uh, a, a very nice feeling you doing something for a person that feels so happy that loves you so much that <laughs> talk about you as great uh, uh, that uh, is something very very nice something that i enjoy very the much the relationships doing. afterwards the, yeah the 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 result that it caused the, the, like today a patient said it was a life changing for me the, oh. that thing that this kind of of things that uh, that uh, is make me more and more passionate by doing plastic surgery. That's not, I mean, literally you're changing their lives. So yeah. what a cool yeah. feeling to have. Yeah, yeah. What do you do when you're having a bad day to turn it around? That's something that uh, I learned more recently before I have this stress, but I, I became more spiritual. 
Okay, then uh, I pray, but also I do a kind of meditation. I breathe, and I know that all the thing, that, that, that bad moment is not forever, and we just have to hold and breathe, and thank God <laughs> because it's not that bad, and mm -hmm. knowing that. Then it's a, it's a kind of meditation, but more and more we're getting older, it's more spiritual. Well, but I, I always I remember from the old days, sometime in, in Brazil, there I have my, my penthouse there. When I have something, I, I, at nighttime I like to go and to look to the stars and connect to the universe and have that feeling. And it's, it's a, Meditation is one of those important things that we have to learn in life. Don't need to have this guru meditation. Don't need to be Indian style <laughs> meditation. But meditation yeah. is you, the way you handle your mind, the way you handle your your thoughts, your stress, and it's one of those things recommended by uh, uh, anti-aging longevity is knowing how to cool down your mind. It's yeah. At least if it's only five minutes a day, and and I feel like we're learning more that as like you go to the gym to train your body, go mm. to meditation to train yeah. your mind or thoughts like for a little bit every day. Yeah, because then when you get in the moment of stress, you know how to straight away change the situation with your meditation, being by that breathing way of breathing fast, fast, and then go slow or, or just try. Then you have to learn uh, and study and practice meditation to uh, use it in the right moment. Sometimes, for example, in my patients that, that, that do many of the, the yogis and so yeah. and then in the post-op they're they a bit stressed with, uh, with, with the fear say now it's time for you to practice you <laughs> huh? to apply yeah you, you, you apply all your, your knowledge of this huh? <laughs> exactly. Nice and they, and they do, and they do, and they, it comes down. It's very important you have this training, this yeah. pre uh, prepare yourself for, for handling sure. this kind of situation. All right, Dr. Marco, what is um, your favorite movie? Uh, very old one. Okay. That, uh, that, that's uh, me. I'm a fighter. Uh, the Rock Malboa. Oh. Uh, yeah, that, <laughs> and I never give up. Never, I never give up. <laughs> and what I tell to myself when I'm doing surgery, sometimes long operation, and, yeah. and, and, and I'm already tired, I, I just repeat to myself, don't stop when you're tired. Stop when you're done. Oh, I love that. <laughs> don't stop when you're tired. Stop when you're done. Yeah. Amazing. Uh -huh. and, uh, and, 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 <laughs> that from the movie. <laughs> you know, the movie the, about the same. No, you doesn't matter. People box you box you and you come back and go to win you can never give up never yeah. give up then i love that about you because we were talking just before the episode it's like keep on going you know yeah. and that's so big of your personality like even if now you know where you are you're famous recognized but you like keep working with yeah. this good uh, attitude yeah i was uh 60 when i started studying robotics now I'm 66 and I started <laughs> my robot. Uh, Wait, you yeah. like 50 years old, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like 30. <laughs> that's good. No, you honestly have such a great energy, but I do. That, that's, a, that's a great message. Like, uh, 
Never too late to the, start something. Every, every new decade in my life, I plan what I'll do for the next <laughs> one. The last one was uh, bringing all the things that I have done in endoscopy and so to the next level. And then I study robotics and prepare myself to, to do. And I, I, you know, and, then, and back to do microsurgery because the training of robotics is doing microsurgery. I went to do a, a microsurgery uh, training here in, in the university and uh, uh, together with all the young guys and I'm doing their things. And then the, 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 the doctor, the plastic surgeon that was the teacher there, look, Marco, what are you doing here? <laughs> Everyone's like 30 years old. <laughs> what are you doing here? You crazy man. It's just refreshing. <laughs> I love, but here, exactly. I love that it's passion and vocation. Behind, like we were saying, yeah. you never stop studying. Yeah. yeah. Ah, you can, uh, uh, the, huh? the old boy inside of me always on. <laughs> never let it die. We, we didn't get to tell that story, but I'll share in our Instagram account your video about the Maserati <laughs> other than a doctor you're like a model too yeah. and you got to be in a commercial for Maserati so yeah. I love that attitude <laughs> from you to end the you know the episode what could be one superpower that you would choose if you could choose one the power of healing that I sometimes I practice when we have some difficult times like a person with a come like an infection that happened Huh? Then I do. I put my hand and I pray and I do. And I feel that I can transmit a bit of energy like Reiki, like this thing. Reiki. But I, I, I like to have uh, this power of healing. Well, we'll leave it there to end you know, this, this amazing conversation. I did not expect that uh, answer. You know, there's teletransportation. There's, you know, <laughs> read everyone's mind or things like that. But I love that you chose healing. So, so like deep and profound dr marco thank you so much for giving me this time i love getting to know you amazing You're time so with you so <laughs> good so thank you for this opportunity i feel so free talking to you like this no, so nice. you're really fun and, and thanks for you know your your amazing energy your stories and um love to you know obviously keep in touch but everyone i hope you enjoyed the episode uh with dr marco check I'll, I'll show your instagram for people to check you out uh you're such a great person to you know follow so i hope everyone enjoyed the episode and um if you want to give us your comments or uh, look for behind the scene pictures go to our instagram account it's a day with that podcast and subscribe to get all of our episodes on spotify apple Podcasts, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts so thanks again dr marco and see you everyone thank you thank you everyone <laughs> for listening to us <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> Bye.